Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, grant that your word might be spoken here with boldness, heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. In order to unpack that, um, I want to actually talk about a favorite YouTube video of mine. Um, this, uh, this video comes from the year 2004, the month of June. The place was uh, WTVA, a local station in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, and on this video, um, we have a sort of a special break from WTVA uh, regular programming uh, for a minister and his wife singing a special song. Um, this song was an original composition entitled The Breakfast Song. Um, the Breakfast Song, uh, sung by this minister and his wife, uh, was filled with an impassioned solemnity. Um, this was a song about breakfast. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. I just want to appreciate the poetry of it this morning. Um, the, uh, the minister begins by saying, The nutritionists say that breakfast is one of the most important meals of the day. Okay, right there we have a little bit of a, an obvious statement there. Breakfast is one of three meals of the day, so already. Anyway, um, it, helps us to, uh, it helps to perk us up and get us on our way, but there's a kingdom coming that's part of God's plan when God's word is all we need to feed man. Interesting sentiment. We're not going to get too deep into the theology of that, um, but don't worry, he goes on. There's more. He begins by listing common breakfast foods. No more bacon, no more sausage, no more orange juice, no more coffee. He's singing all of this. No more biscuits, white bread, grits, scrambled eggs. One of these morning, God's going to call me home. I won't need no breakfast. I'll be gone. Okay. Um, so far, it sounds pretty much like uh, what you might see uh, served up here. Um, but it, it kind of begins to reach into less familiar breakfast food. He goes on a little bit heavier. No more oatmeal, no more pancakes, no more sugar and rice. Never had that for breakfast. No more beef steaks. Never had that for breakfast. No more oatmeal, uh, no more maple syrup, strawberry jam, gravy, country ham. Again, uh, God's going to call me home. I won't need no breakfast. Then he goes into the cereals. Captain Crunch, Cinnaminos, Lucky Charms, Cheerios, Wheaties, Frosted Flakes, Rice Krispies, and in a clever switch of rhyme, Nuts O' Grapes. That's grape nuts. And then things take a turn for the worst, at least health-wise. He begins to list chicken, pork chops, Lipton tea, soda pop, donuts, grapefruit, apple pie, mixed fruit, and then in the last verse, we reprise some of our favorites. Oatmeal, cornflakes, bacon, beefsteaks, again, really into the beefsteaks. Biscuits, white bread, beef stew for breakfast. Scrambled eggs, and then he continues with one last refrain. One of these mornings, God's going to call me home. I won't need no breakfast. I'll be gone. Okay, as I listen to these words, it occurs to me, uh, two things occur to me. One is... Um, uh, this man has quite a diet. Um, a lot of things I've never had for breakfast in there. 
But the other thing that occurs to me is maybe the first and greatest difficulty that we have in truly understanding Jesus' discourse on being the bread of life is that we don't really grasp the importance of a single staple food. We have endless choices. And if we run out of one, we just reach for another. If we run out of everything, we just go to the grocery store and get what we need in a few minutes. But even today... That's not how most people around the world live. The world has over 50,000 edible plants, but 60% of the world's food intake consists of just three plants, rice, corn, and wheat. That's what most of the world eats on a daily basis. Bread, of course, coming from wheat, was the staple crop of the Middle East, the staple food of the Middle East, In times of famine, when bread became prohibitively expensive, people would starve. If you didn't have bread, you couldn't live. It was that simple. So the heart of Jesus' claim, I am the bread of life, when he says this, he's not just saying, I'm good for you. He's not just saying, I'm one of many good things. He's talking about something fundamental. He's talking about something like clothing or shelter or society, something basic. In our day and age, we're enabled to choose between many sorts of food, so it may not be surprising that when we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life, we misinterpret him as offering himself as a good option among many good options, or maybe the best option among good options. But when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he doesn't mean he's something good. He means he's something absolutely necessary, something so basic and foundational that we need him if we are going to live. We can't live without Jesus. That's what he's saying. To say, I am the bread of life means you cannot live without me. And not only that, but the life he gives when he says, I am the bread of life. That life is a life like we've never known, a life that our biology, our biological life only echoes and foreshadows. As he said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. This is the life. Eternal life is the life that belongs to God, the divine life, the uncreated life, the life that cannot end because it has no beginning. This is the life he wants to share with us. It's the life that he alone can share. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, note the first two words in that sentence. I am the bread of life. He's speaking in a a sort of shorthand here. Um, I am precedes a number of statements about Jesus in the Gospel of John. He'll say things like, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the door. All of these, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, all of these draw meaning from a statement in John chapter 8, verse 58, where he says simply, before Abraham was, I am. I am. This is a reference to the divine name of God. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying that he alone can share by grace what belongs to him by nature, the eternal life of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There is no true, spiritual, satisfying life apart from Christ. But we easily forget that, don't we? I think we we very easily fall into one of two errors. 
The first error is that we try to find life in other places. The very essence of sin is to reach for the temporary things that do not bring us life instead of our eternal creator. To reach for power, to reach for pleasure, to reach for pride, and to aim to take that which does not last and metabolize it into that which lasts forever. We consume the world looking for life, and we find only death. It makes me think of a neighborhood I once visited in Denver. This was an inner city neighborhood that uh, used to be a self-contained mill town of sorts, and it descended into a deep poverty, Um, so much so that the children there were malnourished. And uh, one person visiting the neighborhood once noticed that the children would be outside running around and playing, and they would reach down and pick up a plug of dirt and bring it to their mouths and eat it. This behavior was because they were malnourished, and what they realized is that uh, they were uh, getting minerals from the, the dirt, trying to um, uh, nourish themselves. This is how hungry they were. And I, I have that image in my mind, and that's what I think of when we, when we turn to power, to pleasure, to pride, looking to fill that void in our lives that only God can fill. It's a little bit like stooping down and eating dirt. It's expecting something that God created to bring us what only God can bring us. This is an error, by the way, that the crowd is guilty of. When the crowd finds him, Jesus says, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. In other words, not because things uh, pointed towards me and you realized that uh, faith in me would bring you life and you realized that you need to follow me. That's, that's not why you're, you're after me. You're after me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so he, he tells them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Essentially, they were thinking with their stomachs. They were not looking to be filled and nourished by the eternal life that Christ gives. They were just looking for their next meal. And they thought that Jesus was a means to that end. So that's one error, is to try to find life in other places than God, than Jesus. If we do not try to find life in other food, another error we can fall into is we often try to live like Christ without being fed by Christ. We try to live like Christ without being fed and nourished by Christ. Let's set aside for a moment the fact that that's impossible. I just want to focus on the fact that it's exhausting. It is wearying to try to give what we have never received. By sheer willpower, we can, we can imitate the life of Christ, but sooner or later we grow tired. We find that we've become whitewashed tombs. We find that we've become strangers to the master that we've tried to serve. When we live in this self-reliant state, we act as if eating once was enough. I know Jesus. I've trusted in Jesus. Now I just live my life by my own power. That's kind of like if I were to ask you, do you want to go out to lunch today? And you were to say, no, I ate once many years ago. It just doesn't work. We can't live that way. We cannot live our lives running on the fumes of a relationship with Jesus that we once had. We must eat continually. That's the thing about eating is you have to do it over and over again, don't you? We have to eat continually. We have to continually look to Christ in faith instead of to our own resources. We have to continually draw our life from him. So how can we be fed by Christ? How can we be nourished by Christ? If Christ is the bread of heaven, how can we receive this bread? 
Well, of course, by faith. Jesus uh, says that we, we believe in him, and by doing so, we receive his, his spiritual strength and nourishment. But I want to offer two specific suggestions on how we can do that. The first is to come to the table, to come to the table. It's not an accident that we celebrate communion every Sunday. The Eucharist is that visible sign that God gives us that points us, directs us towards Jesus. Jesus talks about signs pointing the way towards who he really is. When we participate in the Eucharist, we're not just consuming bread and wine. We're participating in the very life of God. We are receiving that eternal life that only he can give, taking Jesus Christ himself into ourselves and sharing in the life that he gives. So come to the table and secondly, feast on God's word. Our souls are not only fed by the sacrament, but by the nourishment of God's word as well. We need to hear the scriptures, to learn from their teaching, to have our lives measured and instructed by the words of Christ. And we need this often. We cannot always receive the sacrament physically, but we can always commune with God through his holy word. So at the table and at the pulpit, at the altar and through the written word, we participate in the life that Jesus gives. We don't look to the world to satisfy us. We look to the one who made all things and who made us for himself. We will always hunger, always thirst until we come to him, the bread of life who comes down from heaven to give life to the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.